This episode of Manage Smarter is brought to you by SalesFuel Sales Manager Training. Based on the Sales Manager's Guide to Greatness, it's a 36-lesson on-demand program to upskill your sales manager so they can execute your vision and drive consistent revenue growth. Watch a free lesson and find out more at salesfuel.com SMT. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. Today, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but mainly virtual events, live fundraising, how the pandemic has made some permanent changes in the way that we're all working remotely with a great expert on today and um, a younger guest which is going to help us understand the way in which people are taking in their information um, and the new ways, of, particularly for f- philanthropy, I'd like to, to hear about. Yeah. So, and as it relates to sales managers, we're going we're to talk about you know, kickoff events. We're going to talk about uh, meetings where you bring in expertise you know, in a particular category and invite uh, potential clients and that sort of thing. And of course, it, this is all being done virtually these days uh, you know, by necessity as we're in the right. tail end of a pandemic. So uh, we're going to talk a lot about that and also uh, about what it's like then to search for a sales manager. And uh, you know, our, our guest has got some, uh, you know, some stories to tell about that. Very dynamic. John Kazarian, thanks for coming to our microphones today. We're privileged to have you, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. So John is the founder and CEO of Excel Events. It's a one-stop shop for event organizers who want to create a unique and engaging virtual event experience. And in the current environment, many companies choosing to transition live events to a virtual format, maybe forever and amen going forward, right? Uh, John, an expert, when it comes to helping companies make the process as seamless as possible, and I know you talk about it being a real experience, not just a meeting that you show up for, right, John? And the expertise in philanthropy and fundraising on your website video, you said, really, that was the whole thing that drove you guys to co-found this company in the first place, right? You want to start there? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I actually started the, the company as a result of a fundraiser I was hosting here in Boston. Um, mm-hmm. had a relative who, who got sick and wanted to do something for her and uh, ended up hosting an event that brought in 840 people the first year and raised 65 grand. I was uh, 24 at the time, just turned 24. And going into that event, I couldn't find any affordable fundraising software. So we built something on our own, got great feedback. One thing led to another, we had a fundraising tool and a ticketing platform, and then necessity arose and we pivoted into the virtual event space. And uh, that's what it's looking like going forward. Yeah, I'm gonna just jump right in here because one of the things that the sales teams you know, of all types are dealing with right now is Zoom fatigue. So. Yeah. What are some of the ideas that you have or advice that you can give for combating that? Because it's like, you know, as far as you've been an event expert away, right? You seem to be a natural person to ask this question. of. Yeah. So um, Zoom fatigue is an interesting, interesting question. And one of the ways that I've seen some companies do that is they'll maybe have one day a week where it's a no camera day, right? So mm-hmm. you can wear pajamas to work um, <laughs> or on both the top and bottom half. And, uh, <laughs> And approach it that way, more of the audio focus, you know, same mentality as, as Clubhouse. But when you think about a Zoom, that's more of just a direct meeting. It's a webinar. And where we come into play is that entire event experience. So the events that we work with, they have exhibitors there who are, who are selling, who are demoing their product. We also have 
a lot of networking opportunities, whether it be the more uh, professional speed dating format, networking lounges, different aspects that are bringing people together in more than just sitting in a meeting. Yeah, so I'm guessing you have a stage. We do have a stage. Yeah, so what's that like? Yeah, so there's a, there are a couple of different ways that that's used, but what we tend to see with the conferences is that there's the main stage that will have those keynote presentations, and often those are production quality presentations. Their event organizers are working with a video producer who um, they may have set up a, a green screen or used a venue to have the CEO or whoever the presenters are on stage, and that gets piped in. And then from there, everything splits out into those breakout sessions, the same way that you might go into a smaller room in a venue and you can interact with the speaker in real time and ask questions. Um, so there's, there's a lot of different components, but it's really bringing that entire event experience under one roof and under one platform so you don't have to click around and go to different tools in order to facilitate that event. What are some of the other bells and whistles that we might not be aware of that can really liven things up? And it's not yeah. just, you know, a bunch of people sitting around BOPSA, as I call it. So when it, when it came to thinking about the entire experience, if you went back to like March and April of 2020, there's just one publication after another saying that there's no way that exhibitors and sponsors are going to get value out of a virtual event. And we took the approach of let's, let's dispel that. And we put a ton of emphasis into focus and making sure that the exhibitors on our platform are getting value. They are collecting leads. They're interacting with real people as opposed to an in-person experience where somebody might come by your booth to grab the rocker, rubber ducky and the t-shirt hmm. and maybe grab a, a, a brochure as well. And you don't know who they are. They walk away. They've got the business card or whatever else, but you don't have their information. Or they do engage you and you still don't know anything about them. We took the approach of let's make sure that you, as the salesperson participating in this virtual event, you know who you're talking to. You know what activities they've taken. You know what videos they've watched. You know what documents they've downloaded. You have a chat record of your previous conversations and you're creating real value for the exhibitor there. And what that does is it ensures that the exhibitors are getting their money's worth and they're funneling that feedback up to the event organizer. And when they want to host their own event, they're, they're uh, coming our way. So that's kind of on, on the exhibitor component. But some of the ways that we drive people to that exhibitor area is through different gamification tools. So one of your exhibitors may say, hey, we're going to give an iPad to the first person who gets X number of points. And they get points for doing different things like networking or engaging exhibitors or something else along those lines. It's sort of like the old-fashioned bingo card or whatever that you would go around. You had to get so many stamps for all the people that you were to scavenger hunts or the little things like that that they, they, they do at the physical events. Exactly. You're bringing that virtual. That's kind of cool. But a little bit more competitive because now you've got a leaderboard. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, like our Peloton. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Now, you said this is also a good way if you want to team up with the guys at Excel Events to gauge where your business network is right now and get a baseline for it, right? And then try to expand it because we all can't meet face-to-face. -face. Um, how are you helping your clients do that? And how are yes. you measuring that? So if you think about why people host events, I mean, historically, events are really inefficient, right? Both from a sustainability <laughs> perspective, traveling to events, all the stuff that is built and materials wasted for hosting in-person events, they're expensive and they're super hard to measure, right? Mm -hmm. All of that is alleviated in the world of virtual. And now event professionals, event marketing professionals, who often have been looked at as a cost center to a lot of organizations, because it's been hard to prove their value, now have like 
the highest ROI of any of anyone on the marketing team. And uh, because it's so much more affordable to host these events and so easy to prove the value of what they're doing. So what we're seeing as a result of that, and especially as community becomes a bigger element of the way that businesses win, and look at some of the recent IPOs like Snowflake and uh, other companies along those lines, the community element of what they've built is such a leading factor. And where events really win is in developing that community and bringing people together all at one point in time in a way where they can interact with each other and with the business and with the, the company's partners and everybody else. And as a result of that, you know, they're going from that once a year big event to still doing that. And in the future, that will be a hybrid experience. But now tacking on a monthly series on top of that. And everybody that you met in person, you can now deepen a relationship with every month going forward instead of the sort of meet and forget and maybe you connect on LinkedIn maybe right. and follow up a year later. Let's take a couple of examples of, of some of the ways in which lead gen is, is done in the physical world then and, and to translate that to virtual. So let's just say uh, uh, I'm a sales manager then of financial advisors. And we normally would have the, you know, we're going to go invite people for dinner at a nice restaurant there in a the conference room and we're going to, people are going to eat and then we're going to hammer them with our sales pitch and everything like that. How does that translate as an example in, into the virtual world? Yeah, I mean, I love a good steak as much as the next guy, and you're <laughs> certainly not going to get that virtually. But what you're trading off in terms of maybe the good glass of wine and the steak is that you're, you're building relationships with real buyers, not people who are just there to get that dinner or that t-shirt or whatever else it is. And the way that you're interacting with them, because you're not wasting time on that, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's targeted. You're getting in front of real buyers. And as you know, I talked about community being a bigger aspect of the way that companies are winning going forward, as over the past 10 years, advertising, whether it be through social media platforms, whatever it is, it's been putting your logo in front of the right people. And today it's becoming a lot more human. And these virtual event platforms are a way to get in front of the right people and be human in front of them, be there on camera chatting with them the way that you and I are. And that's really a great way to deepen relationships when you're spending your time doing that with the right people and not just entertaining them, but actually creating value for them. So when I come to your event and I'm having a steak dinner, it's harder for me to leave, you know, but it's like virtually though, I can just click a button and I'm out of there. So what advice do you have for your clients and, or for sales managers or event managers then to, once you have an event like that, that make it compelling enough so they don't click the button to leave? Oh, they certainly can. And, you know, at the end of the day, maybe you're having six, seven, eight people at that steak dinner and they'll all stick around and hear you out. But if somebody leaves after 30 seconds online, somebody else fills right back in that gap. And whereas in three hours you entertain six or seven people here, you could have a conversation with two or 300 and you can actually get in front of somebody who is genuinely interested in what it is that you're offering. So did you, oh, go, go ahead, Audrey. So do your sales managers, have they changed with um, doing this virtually and trying to close um, that pitch? Do they incorporate some of the elements of your bells and whistles into their pitch when they're yeah. doing that? Okay, yeah, I mean, so it's all integrated. Everything is under one roof in the way that we uh, offer our platform. And in terms of the way that we're, we're selling what it is we offer, right, yeah, certainly a big piece of it is, is the feature-centric side of things. And um, that does play into the way that we're getting evaluated against our competitors. But I, I think a couple of the other big aspects of it um, 
you know, we're particularly strong in that exhibitor component. And what we're seeing in virtual as compared to in person is that about 90% of the events on our platform are free for the attendees to attend. And all of the event fees are being covered by the revenue that's generated from those exhibitors, which drives more attendees since it's free to participate, mm -hmm. obviously a global reach, and that gets more value for the exhibitors. As for the other pieces of, of where we're differentiating ourselves, the, the support is a massive aspect of it. I mean, when you think about an event, you spend weeks, months planning an event that accumulates in sometimes a couple of hours, often a couple of days, but sometimes a couple of hours. You need somebody there who can help you out with any question that arises instantly throughout that event. And um, for us, we have five times more support people, support and, and success people than we do salespeople. That's, that's just the priority. It has to be in the event space. And mm -hmm. um, you emphasize that. What about, uh, let's say a product launch meeting. Let's just, let's, and let's take this internal. So yeah. forget, forget the, you know, the keynote address, you know, with the guy up on stage and everything like that. But in, in terms of, you know, we have this new product, so we have to have someone then talk about the product. We have to then have sales talk about how they're going to sell the product, marketing, how's, how they're going to market the product and the marketing campaign and the, and the customer experience you know, gets talked about as well. It's like, how does, do those types of events lend themselves well to, to virtual, especially since we're all scattered all over the place these days? Yeah, so those, those type of events lend themselves very well to virtual. Um, I think a lot of those product launches, you know, they're not a multi-day thing, and it's a great way to get access to a wider audience of people. Uh, when it comes to thinking about how to approach that, if, you know, maybe it's a software company that's launching one new product internally to a group of 100 people. To be fully transparent, go with a Zoom, a team, something like that. It's, it's going to be cheaper, and it's going to get the job done. You can bring different speakers on, and they can present that. Where we see more of that product launch concept working, uh, I'll give you an example, like um, there's uh international auto parts company that has been using the platform to host a, well, very large scale events and their franchise model business. And all of their um, suppliers come and they set up in the platform and they'll be pitching their tools there and they can purchase spotlights to highlight certain new products, and then their entire dealer network, all of those franchisees are coming in as attendees and getting access to learn about all of those new products that are being released. Now, that's on a much larger scale, and there's a lot of moving components, and that's where it makes more sense to use a platform like ours as opposed to something that may be a more similar stream where something like a Zoom is, is frankly sufficient. So where is that threshold? Is, is it 100? Or is like, what's the number of attendees where it really stops making sense then to have a bunch of Zoom boxes and, and actually use a platform like yours? Yeah, I would say it's, um, I'd say the smallest event we really see is around 25 attendees, but it's more so that it's not a singular track. It's, there's multiple components to it. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Where you may have a networking aspect. Now, Obviously, webinars have been a big thing for 10, 15 years, and we talked about Zoom fatigue before, and I think webinar fatigue is another component of that, because why do you want to watch something live that you can, for the most part, just skip ahead and find the parts that are relevant to you at a later point in time? But when you replace that webinar event, that maybe was 30, 45 minutes, and you add a 30 or 45 minute networking opportunity before that, and maybe follow that up with 
another component where people can book meetings with reps from your company to dig into some new product features that you released or something along those lines. You maybe take a two hour block and you add different components and a more human element to that experience. That's a really big opportunity to, uh, to differentiate the way that you're getting access to prospects and, and deepening relationships with your customers. Is it possible in that um, networking room to pair off and go to a even smaller room where I can talk one on one with somebody or is it everybody all on one room trying to talk? Yeah. To each other? So uh, the networking I was at least thinking of in my head was was one on one. So being okay. matched up with people with either similar interests or you offer something that they're looking for. Maybe it's a job fair uh, is an easy example. But it could also be a, a wider room where it's a more persistent conversation going on. Got it. So you really came down on the plus side of this pandemic just based on your business, your core business. What's it been like for you as a leader and a manager to have to scale up quickly the last 10 months or so? Yeah. So we, we pivoted into this space early. We made the decision in the beginning of March mm -hmm. that um, you know, we don't know what the future is going to look like. and in any case, hybrid is becoming more relevant, especially as there's been shrinking corporate budgets for events uh, and traveling to events, and then also greater emphasis on sustainability. So we decided to go all in on it, and obviously that was the right call. Um, we scaled from uh, just under 20 people to, to now over 80 in um, in seven months. So oh my so God. Can, yeah. It's, um, and, and I'll also add that we're, we're self-funded. So we did that without nice. raising the outside capital. Um, so what are some of the lessons you've learned? Yeah. It'd be quite a ride. Um, <laughs> I mean, it all comes down to the people, right? Mm -hmm. It's everybody that we hired was somebody who, well, a lot of people came out of the event space. I mean, we were so, somewhat fortunate. In fact, that there were layoffs in the event space and we had the opportunity to get great people who um, really knew events inside and out, and that meant they could get up and running quickly. But the other aspect of it was that everybody we hired was ready to jump in and take on anything, and um, we we wouldn't have been able to do what we've done if it wasn't for that. Let's talk about your process of, of hunting for a sales manager. How's that yeah. going? Where, where are you looking? What are you looking for? And yeah, what's the process look like? Yeah, so we're a pretty lean sales team right now. We were um, we were three people for about four months, and um, I mean, and, and the numbers are great. I and mean, three people sold uh, one point nine five million in bookings in five months. So, hmm. um, and now we're starting to scale that up. But as we scale that up, I frankly, you know, I don't have any expertise there, and that's I don't have the capacity either to be checking in on the team. Uh, and we also just went through a CRM migration, so. As we're getting all of these building blocks in place, we're looking for somebody who can help us own and scale that process and also helping us to navigate the move more into the enterprise space and thinking about some of the complexities that uh, are inherent in the way that the selling process is different when you're selling to the enterprise versus SMB. Mm -hmm. and so, so, so where are you starting to look for those types of candidates? Yeah. Um, Primarily LinkedIn. I've been doing a lot of, um, of cold outreach myself um, and I've been having a lot of great conversations with people. It's, you know, it's a pretty specific person that we're, that we're looking for. Uh, it's somebody who knows how to sell B2B software, uh, marketing software to the enterprise and also knows how to scale a team. And is, you know, it's not 
a startup person and it's not a company person who's coming from a large enterprise. It's somebody who's done the, the scale up process and it's, um, there's a lot of great people out there. And at this point in the game, it's been a lot of just having conversations and getting to know people and, and trying to figure out uh, who is the, the perfect fit to help us do that. Well, you mentioned like the job fit because you mentioned some of the competencies that you're looking for from the manager. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they have to be able to get along with you, mm-hmm. right? So there has to be the manager fit there. But I'm also thinking about the company fit. It's like, so how, you know, how are you thinking about that in terms of is this person going to be a good fit for our culture that, that, that it's going to fit in with how we do things around here? Yeah. So we were uh, entirely remote pre-COVID and we're going to be entirely remote whatever this is over. And that's one part of it. The other part of it is, you know, going back to the hiring that we've done, the culture, that, the culture that we've built, especially remote, has been amazing to see. And I think a lot of that comes down to when you, when you hire people who, or bring people together who maybe have a more soft-spoken personality or culture, it's easy for that to get missed or hidden when it's behind the lens of Slack, for example. Mm -hmm. Uh, things that you may pick up on in an office space when you're sitting next to somebody all day, those come out naturally, but virtually they have to actively be pushing that to you. And we've done a good job of identifying people who are going to be active with that. And if there's a viral virality to that, and once one person becomes active, another does, and it it spins off every day. I learn about a, a new Slack channel we have, um, Apparently we have a Shrek channel and apparently we have a conspiracy theory channel. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. That's I'm awesome. a little bit concerned about the latter. So wow. yeah. yeah. Um, but, but it mean, careful doesn't I, get shut down. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so it's, you know, it is finding somebody who's going to be able to, to fall into that. And yeah, people's personalities come out during the interview process, but it takes time. And it's kind of seeing them under a couple of different lights. And sometimes you catch somebody in a bubbly mood and sometimes you don't. And that's why it does take a couple of different interactions with people and at different times of day. Over Lee's shoulder, there's two books he wrote on hiring um, salespeople and the credibility of salespeople need to have. Um, so there are 13 toxic types of salespeople. <laughs> and you don't want to hire any of those 13. In fact, we should send them the book, Lee. Yeah, um, we'll do that. It's, it's, and we have yeah. software that will help you screen them out. Guest on so, the Mad Smarter Show today will receive the gift. <laughs> <laughs> a copy of... And Lee Press on Nails. No. Um, <laughs> and Rice Aroni, the San Francisco tree. I guess, what is, beyond not hiring a toxic type, what is the main quality, the most valuable quality you think you're looking for in a salesperson? Um, I think it's going to be that ability to, to scale up and that means implementing the processes we need, but also being able to bring in the right people and going back to the question around hiring, they need to be able to vet and understand who is the right person or people to fill these roles. As a company that's, that's scaling up or whatever agility is definitely going to be high on your list. Yep. And congratulations on that. I mean, Excelevance.com is the website, everybody. You're Jay Kazarian on your LinkedIn, John. Yep. And Facebook, Excelevance, and Twitter. Um, last question, we've got a few minutes left. You say that this is here to stay and that you really don't think that the in-person, I mean, everybody's eager to travel. I get that. 
there'll probably be a pent up demand for in-person events, but this new way of working and of fundraising and of doing events is here to stay, you say. Future predictions? Yeah. Um, so I think it's very much here to say. It's certainly not to say that I don't think in-person is gonna come back. I'm excited for in-person to come back. Started the company around an in-person event that I was hosting. Uh, we are less focused on the fundraising side of things today. We're primarily focused on B2B events. Uh, but I, I do think the fundraising piece is going to return. I mean, I think there's a bigger aspect of the galas and whatnot that are more of a social aspect. When it comes to the professional events, I think those are more easily replaced with, um, with digital. But it's going to be a mix of the two. Uh, the large in-person events are going to be hybrid going forward. and they're going to be piggybacked with the continuous virtual events. Yeah, makes sense. We'll talk in a year from now and we'll see where we're all at. <laughs> we certainly should. Thanks for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate it. This is very interesting. It's great to have you, Jonathan. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.